0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Grownish. I'm Brooklyn Beatty.
1: And I'm Josh Williams.
0: And this is episode 12, believe it or not. Episode 12. So if you think about it, we've weeks. had 12 weeks, three months of Grownish. My goodness. It feels say, kind of like it's been a longer time than that. And then at the same time, it's gone really fast.
1: Really fast. Like a blink of an eye. Right. Like it, we're here at but episode we've been, 12.
0: We've been releasing episodes since November.
1: November. Well, 12 weeks from today. Mm-hmm. Well, 12 weeks ago from today.
0: And I got to be honest, there's a lot that's changed since then.
1: A lot that has changed.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to sit the record straight here on something because okay. it's been a couple of weeks of this and I feel like I just have to mention it because if you've been listening to Grownish since its inception, we kind of started out with these episodes explaining who we are and the life that we're living and the things that we're going through and my life now is actually nothing like it used to be.
1: It did a complete 180.
0: A complete <laughs> 180. So I felt like I should address the elephant in the room here without going into too much detail. So I started off basically saying I lived in Middlebury. You know, I had a whole family life going. That's not necessarily the case anymore. Um, I actually live in South Bend now in an apartment with my dog, Stella. So, I don't know. I don't really know where we want to go from this today, but I just felt like I needed to make the record straight. All
1: right. Well, maybe I should do the the good thing of a co-host here and, and you know, ask upon these things. So, what what happened there? I mean, you, I know you didn't want to go into too many details there, but, uh, you know, Middlebury to South Bend. Yes. Okay.
0: Um. Well, I just want to say I'm no longer in a relationship with the person I was in a relationship with beginning of this podcast starting out. So, and oh, no. I, like I said, and it's okay. Things happen. Life changes. That, Life changes, right? Yeah. Things happen. You have to go with the flow. And that's exactly what I did. But I will say that I am doing fine. I'm doing well. I'm fulfilled. Living in South Bend. That was an adventure moving from Middlebury to South Bend. I'll say that. Because What was that, what was that like? Well, in Middlebury, and I talked about this before, it was Amish town, right? Oh, it was right. just farms everywhere. There wasn't really much going on. Now I feel like I live in the hustle and bustle, and it's crazy because it's really not even, I mean, South Bend is significantly smaller than Fort Wayne, which is where I'm from originally, but I feel like moving from Middlebury to South Bend, I feel like I moved to Chicago. Yeah? <laughs> because it's so much crazier, so much more busy, it's wild. Did it take you a while to
1: learn that those, uh, you know, dedicated paths on the sides of the roads aren't for buggies anymore, but I they're know. for bicycles?
0: I don't know the last time I've seen a horse and buggy, which was wild, because I was seeing 50 a day there for a bit.
1: 50 a day. I mean,
0: everywhere I went, it was all horse and buggies. So now Amish I'm... paradise. Now I'm living in the city again. Well, welcome to it's the been city. it good. Yeah, thanks. There's, there's no... just It's weird, because there's just so much to do now. I'm, like, overwhelmed, because... I, my living in Middlebury, my my um trip for the day was going to Kroger like that was living large. You know, I'm going to the grocery store today. I'm going out. Might step a target on the way. Now I can just <laughs> targets down the street. Yeah, it's She's crazy. love life. I will say the hardest part for me has been going from a house that had a backyard with a fence to having to walk my dog every time she has to go to the bathroom. That has been Ooh. the big, especially in this weather. Dedication. We have how much snow outside? Like six inches of snow probably out there. And my apartment, the way it's set up, the quote unquote backyard is this giant like area that has so many hills and she wants to run. So then I am in areas where the snow is not up to my ankle, but up to my kneecap because it's so hilly. (laughs) It's been a crazy adventure. I'm just going to say it. Gosh. Wow. But I mean, we're all about open and honest communication here. It's grownish. Things change. This to me, if this isn't grownish for you, I don't know what is. Going through that phase in life where you think you have everything all figured out, and then life hits you and you don't have anything figured out all over again.
1: So literally, Brooklyn Beatty got to start 2021 January brand new.
0: I literally got an apartment January 4th. Wow. So 2021 for me has been a brand new year. Brand new from the ground up, starting fresh. It's been crazy.
1: That has to be exciting, though.
0: It has been exciting. I will say that. I'm going to say this, too. Going through a breakup's hard, no matter what the situation yeah, is. Yes. It's hard, it's sad, it's a lot to go through, but I've had a great support system along the way. And I am very happy. I'm very fulfilled. And it's been it's been kind of refreshing a little bit to know that I started the new year off fresh.
1: Just brand new. Yes. What's one of the most freshest things is you said, Hey, okay, entering into this new year, not I'm talking about New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. or anything, but like this new you revampment.
0: Well, you know what? Not only is it moving to a new city. Um, moving to an apartment. Then I have, we mentioned this last episode, I have a new show Absolutely. on Froggy. Working, working with Brooklyn. Wor- working with Brooklyn. So it's like, I really, <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I can't believe it's already halfway through February because it's just been a rush of the last six weeks.
1: That is amazing. But though,
0: it's been good. Yeah, it's I'm amazing. excited. I have feel like the, all the possibilities in front of me right now are endless. I could really do whatever I want to do right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so... The yeah. world is
1: literally your oyster right now. And, exactly. Uh, it's waiting for you to, to pluck it.
0: And I, I've just had a lot of learning and growing and yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. I just felt like I couldn't go on in this podcast and pretend like my life was how it started because it's not. And that's how we started this whole podcast by saying, okay. Josh is single. He's living his life. He's doing his thing <laughs> on Tinder, outdating in the COVID world. I wasn't. I was living in this house in Middlebury, and I'm like, for people just starting this podcast, if they hear that first episode, they're going to think that's where we are right now, and that's not where we are.
1: Wow. I better give an update then on the uh, Tinder. Okay, what's up with that? Tinder Bumble game. Yeah, I, I've shut those down, folks. You're done? Uh, well, it was like back in December, like middle of December. I, I just I couldn't anymore. I, I don't know what it was, but literally... I I couldn't do, I couldn't do.
0: It was just too much.
1: It was just too much because at this point in time too, we're also like, you know, when are we going to figure out what's happening with COVID and all that and the vaccinations? And then you start thinking, okay, well, there's also this UK one that's, you know, getting ready to come over here. So it's like UK version of coronavirus. So it's like, at what point in time am I really just going to be like, okay, uh, I'm going to put this whole dating game on hold until... Something just pops up my way.
0: You're just focused on other things.
1: Other things, absolutely.
0: That's understandable.
1: Yeah, so What I, else
0: do you have going on in life then right now?
1: Uh, well, you know, uh, well, since, uh, and, and it's no secret here, we talked about it, uh, we went out um, to uh, uh, Panda Express yes. the other day. Um, so getting my podcast partner here, Brooklyn Beatty, acclimated to my neck of the woods, mm-hmm. South Bend area, that's something I've been up to. Um, we've done a couple of things. Uh, we, we did get to go adventure out through Strikes and Spares where I dominated the court or the track, I believe. Well, I shouldn't say dominated because actually Brooklyn did come Are we back talking around.
0: about mini golf right now?
1: Well, not mini golf, but the racetrack, go karts. Oh. Yeah. He didn't. I know.
0: He was actually behind me the entire time. <sighs> mini golf, though, you killed it.
1: Mini golf. That's the one. Mini golf. That so, was
0: absolutely terrible.
1: Other than that, I have honestly been um, working on some uh, podcasts of, of my own, the Longest Road podcast, you know, doing a couple of interviews there. I'm trying to change it from a sports, uh, you know, podcast itself, a sports interview podcast, to more of a, uh, an everyday podcast where you might go listen to it for, like, a, a recommendation, so... I, I'm working on, on that in, in, in that inception there. So hopefully some more things will come with that. I don't
0: think we've ever talked about the fact that you have another podcast on this podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, probably not.
0: Do you want to mention it and like what yeah. it's about and so, where people can find it and stuff?
1: Yeah, the Longest Road podcast is a uh, it's an interview-based podcast. So it's an interview series. Um, we're about 11 episodes in. And um, what I've done is uh, I've taken this and, you know, I have a sports background myself and I come from a family of, of people who love sports. My grandfather was really, really big into sports stories and telling me sports stories. And he hung out with some former NFL players, uh, his next door neighbor uh, growing up, um, well, at least for me growing up, was um, uh, his name was uh, Dick Duranic. And he used to play for IU and he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers in took my grandfather with him to all these alumni events. And and so, therefore, I heard all these stories growing up as a kid, and it got me wanting to find out what my career path was going to be. So I decided to start up this, um, this podcast, which would be called The Longest Road, where we would take uh, um, sports subjects or just subjects in general, individuals, yeah. and, and take them down their longest road and find out what they had to come across on their way to get to where they wanted to go obstacles, objections, things like that. Um, and how do they overcome those? Uh, there's so much to be said. I mean, accolades are one thing, and, and athletes are always known for having just collected the accolades. And maybe if they've won a Super Bowl or a championship in whatever level, that means they've been great. Well, I would like to backtrack that and actually prove the point that even if you are an athlete in general, at least on this longest road here, that you don't have to just win a championship to be successful. The mere fact that you refused to give up, refused to turn the ship around and go back the other way when times looked scary in front of you and you were willing to persevere. That's where I think some of these stories come from. And, and we found some along the way, you know, in South Bend, Joe Hart. Uh, we've sat down with Notre Dame Brian Pullian, a football coach with Notre Dame football.
0: And Joe Hart is
1: uh, Joe Hart's the uh, president of the South Bend Cubs. Um, so, and we've taken some other folks too. I sat down with, a, um, he, he is now in his freshman year at Indiana State, but I sat down with a senior, uh, a senior from Concord High School who was a the quarterback there. Um, he went through a whole tearing his ACL, MCL, and having to come back and battle back through that. And um, the, the doctors told him that he wouldn't be able to play football again, comes back out there and becomes the all-conference quarterback. And That's his amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. Right. Uh, you know, it's about that. So, and where people can find that it's the same way they can find our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, just Google or, uh, you know, type and search in the longest road podcast um, by Josh Williams. And, and that will come up. So, but there's, there's a change in the wind coming for 2021. Do
0: you want to talk about that? Or do you want to leave that kind of,
1: yeah, I'll talk about it just for a little bit. Um, it, You know, the longest road is focused on sports people in general, but this time around, I'm going to focus on businesses, uh, venues, events. So uh, there's a concept in in the works for me that I literally just came up on a trip to Chicago, um, but it's going to be called uh, like Highway 12 or Highway 41. And what that will do is, you know, there's no secret that up in Michigan there's US 12. um, There's Red Arrow Highway, all these businesses that are along the ways, venues, parks, Mm -hmm. places that you could go. There was a place called Me and My Bar. I cannot wait to sit down with the owner of me and my bar, find out first and foremost how the name come about, what's business like there, because it looks like just like a dive bar, right? But it's got a classy little sign out there, a white building, good parking space in front of it and next to it. So it's like, okay, in the summertime, you can see how this place is probably a happening spot.
0: And, you know, I don't like to bring in, like, COVID and stuff all the time, but it'll be interesting to know, talking to these people, how is their business doing right now, especially in Michigan? Boom. Because Michigan and Indiana have two separate situations going on right Absolutely. now, dining-wise. So, obviously, even just getting the word out that these places are open, they want business.
1: How can they get the business, Check it out, too? right. Yeah, so that's 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 coming up here. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, and I, I may be sounding, but hopefully by the end of February... And that March, it starts It starts in March. But mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes.
0: Well, if it is happening, then we can always give an update here Absolutely. and have people check it out. Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you, Brooklyn, for even talking about that.
0: Of course. I just realized we've never really talked about that on here before. So
1: Yeah, people probably wonder, like, what does this Josh guy do?
0: That's what he does. There we go. The longest road.
1: The longest road.
0: Also, play-by-play on Froggy.
1: Yeah. He sports. little play-by-play action.
0: Yeah. So, today, I kind of wanted to talk about some other stuff that was, like, follow-up to other things we've talked about in the past Um, and i do want to take a break before we dive right into it but i talked about a couple months ago how i never ever was going to watch tiger king (laughs) and i'm just gonna let people know right now that changed and i have a lot of opinions about it so stay with us we're going to cover that up next
1: she thought she was watching a show about tigers
0: it's not about tigers (laughs) i'll tell you that right now definitely not about tigers stay with us Welcome back. It's time to talk about all things Tiger King. I just can't believe, Josh, that I even watched this. So if you've been listening to our old episodes, we had a whole segment where we talked about, I think, just TV shows. I think this is the one we were talking about, the top 10 TV shows in 2020, something like that. Tiger King obviously made the list because Tiger King was 2020 for a lot of people. That was, we're all stuck at home we're going to watch this trending documentary about some crazy people, and then we're all going to talk about it for months. And I was the one person that really didn't watch it during quarantine. A couple people I know that didn't, but it was rare if you didn't see it.
1: I got to back this one up and, and just tell you that literally when this came out uh, during quarantine last year on Netflix, all it said was Tiger King and it had a picture of Joe Exotic's face. Yes. So you're thinking to yourself, what, what could this be? You, you, When you are probing to watch this, it's the last thing that you ever, ever thought that this show would be.
0: And, you know, okay. so full disclosure, we watched this together and I wasn't really excited to watch it, but you kept saying I should try it out. So one night we were both just really (laughs) bored and I was like, do you want to watch Tiger King? And the look on your face, you were like. Yes, it's happening. She's finally going to see this show. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that you like were Christmas super excited. I know you were so excited to watch this, <laughs> even a second time through. You're like, I can't believe I'm reliving this all over again. Because I only
1: watched it one time. And I that think was most it. people
0: did. Most people saw it once, that and they're like, it. "That's enough for me." That's enough. But for you to relive it a second time,
1: I was excited that you wanted to go down.
0: And this my favorite journey. part was so it starts out about tigers yes, for the it part, does. first like 20 minutes, maybe. So yeah. I think what is it like eight episodes? Each episode's about an hour. Um, first 20 minutes of episode one, it's all about tigers. This Joe Exotic guy, he's out there. He's got a tiger, like, um, sh- sanctuary kind of situation. He's been raising tigers for years. You kind of learn that about him. And then all of a sudden, they throw out this Carol Baskin lady and basically say, By the way, my arch nemesis, Carol Baskin, murdered her husband. And all of a sudden, the show goes from, Hey, here's a cool story about a guy with tigers to a murder investigation. There's like 20 different people involved in this show. I didn't even know. I couldn't even keep track of their names because they kept interviewing people.
1: There's so many people involved in this.
0: And you know what the wildest thing for me about the show was? It was the fact that there was no narrator. You know, most documentaries, there's like someone in the background telling the story. And there's always a setup where it's going through the timeline. This happened, then this happened, this and this happened. I don't even know how they put together a documentary like this because all they did was interview like 30 people and then put snippets of their conversations together. There was no narrator. There was no way for me to keep track of where we were headed.
1: This was (laughs) this was this was the epitome of a um, you're watching a a car crash literally in front of you and it's a train crash. It's horrific and you can't take your eyes away from it.
0: By like episode six, Joe was in jail.
1: Joe was in jail. That's was in the thing. Jail. It
0: started out about a documentary about this guy. And then by the end of it, he was literally in prison being convicted for murder to hire.
1: Literally. In and I'm prison. Like,
0: and you brought up a good point. And it was I wish they could do a second show about the producers and have them break it down for us what they were thinking during this. Because they went in thinking they were going to make one show and it turned into a completely different show.
1: Let me just, let me just. Let me just hit you with this. Okay. This literally, I think, depicts what we watched. And we get introduced to this guy named Joe Exotic, all right? He's the molded, gun-toting, polygamous, country-western singer who basically is in this Oklahoma part of the world. And it might as well be BFE, guys, because, I mean, I have never seen, never heard of these parts of Oklahoma before. Oh, my gosh, before, right. But he has this roadside zoo it's called the w zoo
0: zoo lightly it's a very <laughs> i don't know i what even it remember is. saying to you i said their definition of a zoo and my definition are not the same
1: i can't believe this
0: it was like a trailer with some cages
1: however i wish i wish that that is only where it, it stops but then you get introduced to all of these characters that that Brooklyn was alluding to and you find out that there's some drug kingpins around here there's some con men there's some there's a uh, there's other dangerous Men who are like brought on as hit men at one point in time. Literally. Literally. He hit had a man.
0: teardrop tattoo, was hired to kill someone.
1: Oh my gosh. He has the collection of tigers, lions in, in his GW zoo. Okay. <laughs> And, but the whole thing, though, is you start off with the show and you're, you, you're almost feeling bad for him because yes. he's talking about his brother, how he's doing all this G.W. Zoo because his brother overdosed. And... Do you
0: remember me saying in the episode one, I was like, he's a good guy. I yeah, like him. I know. By I know. episode eight, I was like, I'm terrified <laughs> of this man.
1: Because oh you looked gosh. at
0: me and you're like, oh, really? He's a good guy? And I'm like, yeah, I have this, this good vibe about him.
1: Well, that was probably because that's when you got to see your first probably run-in with some of the, uh, well, the animal rights activists. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the other zoo owner who uh, hails from the land of Florida.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Carol
1: Baskins. (laughs) Carol, listen, I have never heard, and listen, I'm a sports guy, okay? So I've seen the Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Bears rivalry. I've seen a lot of sports rivalries in my time. Notre Dame, USC, Nothing pales in comparison here to Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic.
0: They lived to fight each other. What gets me, and if you've watched Tiger King, you're going to understand what I'm saying by saying this. All of this was going on while I was just living my life, and I had no idea. The amount of videos they have on their their YouTube pages or <laughs> websites, literally there is... Videos of Joe Exotic with a blow up doll that's supposed to be Carol Baskin that he's like punching in the face. He even shoots this yeah, blow he up takes doll. The gun and, he shoots, and shoots it. There is that much of a rivalry rivalry between these people and the thing is like we're just going on living our lives having no idea that this is being recorded to make a documentary.
1: I think it's time to to introduce some of these cats and I'm anxious Cool to cats see, and kittens. The cool cats and kittens. So we know about Carol Baskin's but however do you know about Howard Baskin's Howard Baskins is, is Carol's husbands now. Okay. So basically after she threw her ex husband out of the plane allegedly. In the Gulf of Mexico. Allegedly. No, because you know what? This allegedly crap needs to stop. We both witnessed something during that show that mm-hmm. was unbelievable. It was the part where Joe has like some kind of stuff, perfume. He said ointment, he had
0: perfume on his shoes. And the
1: Tigers taking him all around the town and he has to discharge his gun a couple of times to get the cat away.
0: Yeah. Well, what does Carol say on there? She says, it's not perfume that will get a tiger to want to eat you. It's, what was it? Um, sardine oil. Sardine oil. She came How out. How does she know that?
1: Yeah, because she was like, she was like, if there was just perfume on their shoe, the cat would just come over and be like, oh, it's so good. But if you want a cat to really eat it, you're going to put sardine oil on it. And I'm like, this chick, if she... Well, and the investigators, they literally cut to a frame, I think five minutes later, of an investigator saying, We have no hard evidence of anyone in relation to the murder of Carol's ex husband.
0: Except she literally said sardine oil, looked at the camera, and laughed. She says, ha, 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 ha. Because she like knows. crazy lady, too. She, she got crazy, knows.
1: crazy written all over her face. Mm-hmm. Cool cats and kittens was a divisive plan to get me to put my guard down a little bit, Carol. Carol Baskin Baskin
0: and you know what else is wild too <laughs> the fact that after this aired they put her on Dancing with the Stars Bruh. why and I I thought that was weird having not seen Tiger King but after watching it I am like you straight up took someone who allegedly murdered someone and put them on a show. And then the best part, and I know we talked about this before, they aired that commercial during Dancing yes. with the Stars of her <laughs> ex-husband's family begging for justice. And they did that on purpose. They did it during her part. Bro, She's guilty.
1: There is so much guilt in association with this. That literally, there's a part. So we're talking about some of these guys. There is, oh uh, my gosh, what's his name? Um, he runs the other sanctuary. And I can't think of what his name
0: is. The one that has all the wives?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. Antel.
0: Apparently, being a tiger person also puts you in a polygamous situation because that's everybody in these situations.
1: (laughs) They call him the Bhagavan. The
0: Bhagavan. The
1: Bhagavan. Then Bhagavan means friend of God. (laughs) So these guys are over here like in another level of... But the Bhagavan man. At one point, he's talking about an Antel is the Bhagavan, so we'll call him Antel from now on. Makes me really kind of cringe when I'm calling yep. him Bhagavan. Yeah, I feel you. Antel says something to the tone of he's very upright, up upfront, and just coming out with all the details at the beginning of this show, and then flash forward to like after Carol Baskin and uh, Howard start going on sue sessions. Uh huh. Yeah, he's like, Nah, I'm good. He's, he it's says allegedly. it's
0: allegedly. He adds that to everything <laughs> because he knows that he's about to be sued next.
1: Because <laughs> he knows that Carol Baskins is literally going and getting all of the film and footage. Yes. From all of this. There is so, I, I I know. I don't
0: even, I feel like we're all over the place with this, oh but in reality, gosh. if you've seen Tiger King, I guarantee you're with us during this whole conversation because it is wild. And if you haven't seen it, I almost feel like I could throw up saying this, but please watch it. Please do. Because it's just, it's one of those things where we're going to look back at our, our, our time in quarantine as like a historical moment in, in America. Tiger King is part of that quarantine that history.
1: history. That was history.
0: As stupid as that sounds. And I really didn't want to watch it. I did not because I don't really care for when things like that go so viral that everyone won't stop talking about it. I literally like couldn't even escape from it at work. I'd come to work and Tiger King was on the morning show. We'd be talking about it in the news. And I was like, I am over this. I get it now.
1: That was the first time I've never been ahead of the trend like that before. Yeah. But I literally watched this the day before it blew up. So like it must, it must've came out that night. And of course, you you saw it. It's on your Netflix that day. Because it was one of
0: the big, the big ads to click.
1: Yes. And then the next day, literally memes are popping out. Uh, It's on uh, like USA Today. The people are talking about it. I can't just get over it. And I know, I I don't mean to keep going back here, but I'm going to go back here. Can we agree that the introduction of Rick Kirkham as the producer of Joe Exotic's, like, little web show, but also the one who is going to sell this to, eventually, like, say, Netflix, but also Joshua Dial, the campaign manager for Joe Exotic's run for governor. You just a governor, whole new
0: can of worms. Run for president. Yeah, okay, back up really quick. For people <laughs> who haven't seen Tiger King, this Joe Exotic man we've been talking about, the one who
1: Joe hates,
0: hates Carol Baskin, he owns a A zoo, quote-unquote zoo. Um, He's crazy. This is also the man that decided, hey, maybe I should run for mayor, then governor, and then president. This man wanted to be president of the United States, so he hires this Joshua guy to be his campaign yeah. manager. This guy, he met at Walmart. Bro, Keep in mind. He was
1: Joshua Dial. <laughs> he was
0: not anywhere near someone who should have been hired for that position to start no, with.
1: Time out. He, he actually had a, this is where we're a little confused. He actually has a degree in uh in political science. Does he? He really does.
0: He met him at Walmart. He was
1: the ammo manager at Walmart.
0: The ammo manager. <laughs> yes.
1: And, and Joshua goes, my favorite part, he goes, and I knew this guy was batshit crazy just from our conversations at Walmart. And then they cut to another scene that goes, I was the manager at the ammo section at Walmart, and I lost. And it, he man.
0: mentioned <laughs> that he'd see Joe every day. Joe would come in yeah. every day and buy ammo,
1: buying a tanzerite or something that's a legal like, explosive, literal explosives. <laughs> He's blowing stuff up, man.
0: Yeah. So that being said, so then, so then this guy becomes his manager. And I swear if there was anyone that was basically the narrator of this show, it turned into this Josh guy who was the manager at Walmart and who became his cam- campaign manager. He started telling the story from his perspective. I think of an anyone in the show that was even remotely saying it was this dude hearing his perception of everything that was going down for someone who was actually at least mostly sane, was also wild in itself because most of these people were not right no. in the head.
1: Well, there's a lot of drugs going Lots on, Lots of drugs Lots going on. Lots of drugs. Like, I mean, you, you find out, Hard too. drugs. You find out, too, that, yes, Joe's multi-husband relationship here actually turns out that both of them are straight men who are, are literally either just drugged up on marijuana or was it heroin or meth? It was heroin.
0: It Hero- was not marijuana. It was hard stuff.
1: Well, uh, whatever his guy, what was the one that accidentally shot himself?
0: I can't remember his name.
1: That's the one that apparently that's how Joe got And You might have, you might have been, I, I don't know where, where you were for this one, but there's a little piece of it in there that says uh, he got lured and that's what the guy told me because I just liked him because he has the marijuana. And then yes. it led into other stuff. Well, homie. because
0: even though this Joe Exotic guy is wild, he was also very rich for a while. Yeah, for what? How? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Literally, it was costing this but man drew... $60,000 to feed these tigers a month.
0: 60000 But he drew in these straight guys by offering them the party lifestyle. And you know what the draw was a lot for people with him? They could play with tigers. People wanted to play with tigers. That's how they know. were making money. They were literally charging people to come in and pet tigers.
1: It's, it's some crazy stuff. I
0: know. I feel like we've been all over the place with this. But all I have to say. Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more?
1: There's more. What? You better believe there's more. Because remember how when we were kind of depicting here what Joe Exotic is, or or at least Joe Stryvogel. They say that he's a country music star. But this <laughs> is it. No, no, no. This is crazy. This is crazy. Okay. <laughs> he literally says in there, this country music was performed by Joe Exotic. And excerpt, it was put in in various episodes. Like They
0: other. show music videos of him singing songs. Bro,
1: but it's not entirely what it seems. And I've got to pop this bubble in case you all don't know this already. But he literally commissioned up com- uh, country mu- musicians like Danny Clinton and Vince Johnson to produce the music for the Stillborn GW Zoo reality series. That was it.
0: A.K.A. he was not singing those songs.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. He, it is actually widely reported that Joe doesn't even know how to play any type of instrument. He can't sing. He can't do all of that stuff. But song. they
0: make it seem in this documentary Deception. that he wrote and performed these songs. They have music videos of him singing the music.
1: And here's a, here's a quote. So there was a little bit of trivia. IMBD did an amazing job with like some of these trivia things. Okay. Johnson, and this is, uh, I believe, Vince Johnson... Johnson claims to have been taken aback when Joe produced the music video and posted them on YouTube, depicting himself as the main performer and taking credit for the music he did not write or produce.
0: So who's Johnson? Who who's that back? was?
1: So the music. So you remember the music? And yes, this Danny Clinton and Vince Johnson, both of those guys are the two vocal artists. They weren't
0: under the impression that he was going to do that.
1: No. So when they saw those pop up on YouTube like that. Can you, <laughs> can you even imagine? I would have crapped a golden chicken. <laughs> That's how surprised I would have been.
0: <laughs> you think you're being hired for some one thing. In reality, they're just using you to pretend that your and, music is theirs. What's
1: even worse about that music, I know I keep on dragging this one out. They played that at that boy's funeral. That young boy's funeral.
0: They yes. played that
1: music, and Joe was up there he was singing, singing it. that stuff. And the mom was over there like, and he always got to put on a show anywhere he goes, just right now. And she wasn't wrong. She was not wrong.
0: Okay, <laughs> this show is so much not about tigers that it, I'm just still baffled. It's been, what, like a week since I watched this now? And I still can't get over the fact that it's about Literally everything under the sun except tigers.
1: I will never forget. There was such a genuine moment. And we already, we've already told you guys that we watched Tiger King together. Brooklyn and I did. There was a moment somewhere around episode 5, 4. She looks over at me and she goes, I really thought that this was about tigers. <laughs> <laughs> and the look of surprise in her face, eyes, everything. It says everything that she didn't know. She was genuinely taken aback. That episode five, we still hadn't even covered anything you said, about tigers.
0: Yeah, you said, just wait. It's going to get way worse. <laughs> just wait. You said, this is about where shit's going to hit the fan. And I was like, how can it get worse than this? And then all of a sudden... It does. <laughs> there's literally a murder for hire plot happening and in front of my face. And the guy's trying to deny that he did it. But then all these, they have all these testimonials from people saying, yeah, he's asked me to murder her before. He's offered me money to murder her before. I'm like... This man is guilty.
1: Isn't this man where isn't this funny, though, where uh, literally this is like it's coming out as people are like they're also being very wise not to say anything. And everyone's talking about how they've been brought into court because now they're being sued.
0: Yes. <laughs> and you know what's also crazy? So obviously we have a new president now. But I remember back when Trump was just about to leave office and he was supposed to do all these pardons and Joe Exotic was petitioning to be pardoned and let out of prison. And at the time I was like. Why is this such a big deal? Everyone was talking about right. it. Now I get it because watching after watching that documentary, he is so deserving of being in prison right now. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that everyone's like, oh, let him out. Let, like, I'm like, thank God he didn't let him out.
1: Well, the same with this other guy, Jeff Lowe. Jeff Lowe and all of his, his, uh, his interesting folks. Which, Jeff Lowe was the guy who came in after. Uh, oh,
0: my gosh. Yes.
1: We never even talked about Jeff. Jeff is now that's a piece of work.
0: And he's still out there doing it.
1: He's still out there doing it.
0: For people who haven't seen Tiger King, halfway through the documentary, this man named Jeff Lowe comes out of nowhere. And they treat him like he is the second coming of Jesus. When he pulls up with his nice Range Rover, they act like he is going to come in and save it because they were losing all the money for the zoo. They were not doing well. Their tigers were living in squalor. It was a mess. They didn't have money for food. This guy comes in to try to save the day. Well, in the process of saving the day, the next four episodes, it turns into not him just saving the zoo, but taking the zoo from Joe Exotic and basically making it his.
1: Yeah, which he did a bad job of that. I think we can all, I think we can all, all can agree. I don't know what's going on in Carol Baskin's zoo. Okay. We didn't really get that close of a look besides Joe, but that's the thing. Remember they said Joe was taking a helicopter ride over their zoo, taking a look at it. And then all of a sudden they're talking about Joe dropping bombs. Out of the helicopter.
0: On top of the zoo. (laughs) Thank God he didn't, but he was talking about doing it.
1: So if you think that our conversation today has been all over the place about Tiger King.
0: That's what the show is. It's all over the place.
1: There is no way to have a conversation about Tiger King without unraveling yourself to the chaos.
0: Usually with shows, there's a timeline. (laughs) Where is a timeline? There's usually a timeline of saying, oh, they did this, then, then they did this, then they did this. Tiger King? Uh, There was not one moment where I was feeling like we were going through a timeline.
1: I have at least 21 individuals here we are in four or more episodes in this show, which, I mean, to be honest with you, that just kind of, I think, puts the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence about how many different people are involved.
0: It it. was too many for me to keep track of. I kept looking over at you and saying, who is this person again? What is their connection?
1: There's so much, man. Oh, and then Dylan, I, I we can't, I can't, I can't go in there. But Joe finds love
0: and for the third time.
1: Dylan Passage is his love. I and think it, he
0: still is. Isn't still he still there,
1: man? <sighs> nice. Great time.
0: Basically, if you want to watch this show, do it. But maybe like go to WebMD, print off a list of all these people are, and like kind of learn them, so you can be along for the journey.
1: I also believe that uh, I wouldn't be surprised, folks, if somewhere along our grown-ish path here. We come back and we we give a little bit more of an extensive, cleaned-up dive into this. And maybe Brooklyn and I can make sense out of what the producers were trying to, to get us to understand during this. I don't know. And I think we gonna, can
0: try. I don't know if I can.
1: We're going to piece together for you guys in 30 minutes or less, Tiger King.
0: We're going to do that?
1: Absolutely. Just teasing a little episode, feature episode.
0: Okay. We'll try
1: stay tuned
0: oh my gosh stay with us though because not only did we watch tiger king i have another documentary i have to talk about and it's the new framing britney spears documentary we talked, we watched that together as well crazy crazy stay tuned Welcome back. I want to talk about a second documentary that we just watched too as well this past week. It's the Framing Britney Spears documentary. And that one, I wanted to watch it because I'd been seeing a lot of people talk about it. And I know I said with Tiger King, I didn't really want to watch it because all these people were talking about it. But Britney Spears was such a part of our childhood that I felt like we had to, I had to watch it because I needed to know what was going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you think about Britney Spears. She's a pop icon. No doubt. When we were growing up, 90s, early 2000s, I mean, that's, that's the queen of pop time. And, and you know, we learned, I mean, Britney Spears has been someone or something that's been around our lives mm-hmm. all the way through.
0: I remember being like six years old and listening to her CDs, had her posters on my wall. I she was poster. the queen of the early 2000s, the I, queen.
1: I'm a guy, and I had her poster up on my wall oh, for as sure, a first grader. But I
0: understand that because I did too, but I mean, I think everybody did. It wasn't so much it was like, oh, you're a girl listening to music, guy listening to music. It was right. Britney Spears. Right. So the director, she basically took this documentary and started from where she was as a young kid. And I remember, we all know, in 2008, everything started going really bad for Britney Spears. That's when she shaved her head. That's when she was in the news all the time for Being a bad mom, quote, quoting there. But, you know, she was in the tabloids all the time around 2008. So it brought you from where she started, how she got to where she was in 2008. And then basically what happened with her life from that moment when she shaved her head to where she is now. Because I feel like for me, at least, that's kind of when she was back in the news and everything kind of went bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we really didn't get to see, I mean, even growing up, right? We didn't get to see what was going on with Britney Spears. No one did. Um, and I believe there's even a footage right now of a late night host. He's an Irish guy. Um, but he was the only one out of everybody back in that time of 2004 to stand up and say, listen, let's let's give her a break. We might not know what's going on. She was the butt of a lot of jokes and that's back then. So
0: sad. But at the time, and I feel terrible. But I'm going to admit this: I I thought they were funny back then. Well, yeah, everyone did. did. Right? Everyone did. No one really gave Britney a chance.
1: We were a savage society.
0: The, society to her. tore her apart. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. I mean, because.
1: But then look at too Justin Timberlake. I mean, you find out right that I mean, even before this documentary, what did we think of the breakup of Justin Timberlake? I just said they broke up because they were young spirits.
0: and relationships don't last. And don't you remember
1: the interviews of him saying that, Hey, she cheated on me. Like she, he literally tried framing out Britney to be the bad, bad cat, person, the bad cat, which we find out in light of this documentary is not it, the case. Is not the case. Is not the case. The New York times here did an amazing job. Samantha Stark and Liz day, both of these journalists with the New York times. I believe Samantha Stark's the one who um, ended up directing this or producing this. And Liz day is the one who wrote this, but uh, they did an amazing job and and Brooklyn here is going to dive us a little bit deeper into what that experience like was watching the documentary that we saw of Framing Britney.
0: Well, it starts out and I mean I don't know if you knew this when we started but I knew she was part of Mickey Mouse Club. Did you did you know that before we started watching the documentary? I've
1: always heard that she was part of Mickey Mouse Club but did I ever watch Mickey Mouse Club? No. It
0: was before our time. Yeah. I- it was more like late 80s early 90s for that was a have thing. I known now. Okay, so basically, if you don't know what Mickey Mouse Club is, it's where they took really talented ch- kids and they made them into something. They did a lot of singing, lots of performing. It was a whole television show group. Britney Spears was part of it. Justin Timberlake was part of it. Ryan Gosling was in Mickey Mouse Club. No way. Yeah. There was a lot of people in Mickey Mouse Club I didn't as know kids. That. And it was all around the same time. They were all like around that age together. Wow. Um, and so it took, it was basically a talent you know thing where they found kids with talent put them in this and then got them you know on the right path to success later in life clearly it worked out Justin Timberlake joined in sync Britney became her own thing but what i didn't know about Britney was from a young age she was performing at malls that's how she got her start she had a little stage set up in the middle of a mall she was like 15 years old go out there do her thing it started out with her just having people passing by out shopping they'd stop listen to her do a couple songs they liked her enough that Instead of her just performing at a mall, it became a concert. Every time she was there, people would line up to go see her mall performances. That's where her big song, Baby One More Time, even started. Her just out there doing her thing in the middle of a mall food court. Crazy. Well, it kind of goes to crap because you start watching how the media is treating this girl. Um, I don't know if it's so much her songs. I mean, yeah, her songs had a little bit of a sexy feel to them. Her outfit choices. Were,
1: Well, that came back down from the music video.
0: That's what I'm saying. Maybe one more time, she was wearing that iconic schoolgirl outfit. Well, because of all these things, she started getting treated poorly by the media. Started framing her out to be this promiscuous girl, didn't care about the kids that were listening to her anymore. Do you remember? They'd be like, well, my kids are watching this, blah, 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 blah.
1: Well, yes, but, 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 let me just come in timeout. Okay. I'm going to put the TV timeout signal up and I'm going to a little bit backtrack something that I believe Liz Day threw in there. And that was about the fact that they weren't sure if it was the fact that we had just came out of everything we did with Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. Yes. Because remember, that's when they were saying that like, well, We literally just have had four years or three years of nothing but sexual scandals from our highest office. And the presidency at that time was still pretty widely respected, you know, the office of it was. So to have something like this going on and they drew it out just like they are right now with the whole impeachment trial. So every day you're you're Monica
0: Lewinsky, this
1: you're seeing that on TV Mm -hmm. nonstop. So much of that, you know.
0: This was the first time, and I can't attest to this because I was a kid, I don't remember. But in the documentary, they say this is the first time that sex was a major topic on the news and in the media. Up until that point, they weren't really being so vocal and so upfront about sex. Well, then it got translated. You're absolutely right. It went from talking about the president, Monica Lewinsky scandal, to, hey, who's big in the news right now? Switching over to Britney Spears and making her a sex symbol. That's really what it did. Which and I'm not wild. blaming her either because it's like she was just doing her thing. Think about all the other perform- performers, pop culture icons in the past who have done the exact same thing as Britney, but they weren't in the media when Britney was, so they weren't taking the heat. It was right. Britney Spears that was taking the heat. And she was so young and so new to the business that she was ignorant that she didn't know any different.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, no, you're absolutely right there. I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, the, the time span that we're in, just to put it for – For everyone who's listening into a a relation there, Uh, we're we're in between the January 12th of 1999 and uh, that June 28th of 1999 where Baby One More Time comes out. She's getting ready for her 2000s, uh, I believe it was called Crazy 2K um, tour that she was going to start. So she's going to take this Baby One More Time away from the malls for the first time. And actually go out there on stage. So by then, you already know, So Brooklyn was just telling us that the malls were extremely successful for her with Baby One More Time. Um, And then you compile the music video that goes along with Baby One More Time, and it brings us to where we're at, where she's now.
0: She's all over the tabloids now.
1: In in about a year and a half time. And
0: that's the thing. She even said, she goes... I don't know how I became famous because she was just doing her thing, singing. She had a beautiful voice. She was a beautiful girl. She had that Southern charm to her. She was cute, innocent, sweet. And all of a sudden she was breaking, you know, doing all these huge shows, millions of people watching her all the time. And this is where everything started going bad because she couldn't get any freedom everywhere. She went, she had cameras in her face, watching every single move you made. If she started dating someone, she started dating Justin Timberlake. Everyone was watching every single move. And think about, okay, at that time, she was younger than we are now. Mm-hmm. Think about just, okay, put yourself there. Think about the relationship you've had, you know, when you were young and how, you know, if someone was watching every single move, like you're, you're young, you're still learning yourself, you're learning what you're looking for in another person, and everyone is critiquing every single thing you're doing on tabloids. That's yeah. that's hard.
1: Well, I can, I can imagine that, um, but for Britney... It seems like uh, this is something that uh, she didn't make an enemy of herself. I mean, you see several other celebrities who take like tabloids and make that an enemy. It didn't seem like she really cared. One of the first things that uh, they pointed out to us in this documentary when she became her newfound fame, she didn't go and clamor into the corner and say, oh my gosh, they're tearing me apart or Mm -mm. anything. No, she took $10,000 out in $100 bills, went around her hometown handing out $100 bills, not saying, I'm Britney Spears just saying Merry Christmas. Yeah. I thought that that was a beautiful... That was so sweet. we have never gotten to see any side of Britney Spears like that before.
0: They didn't cover that.
1: Never. Never. So the fact that somebody reported on that, and that's just been sitting lull for all this time when talking about Britney Spears, that should be one of the first and foremost things that's being She's talked giving. about. She's giving. She's
0: humble. She gives back to the ple- people that raised her as a child. You don't hear about any of that.
1: She gross. So after that first, uh, the, uh, t- the Y2K... Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sorry the the uh, the 2000s tour. She did the I Did It Again one that grossed 40.5 million dollars. So can you imagine that in her first two years of being an artist, you already have made 40.5 million (laughs) dollars? But just this part, this now we're just trying to give a little backdrop here of of what how we got to this part here. We're in the next what four five years after launching this tour of. Oops! I did it, or baby, one more time, and oops! I did it again to her. Those both there. That 1998 to 2000 period, that's where this whole empire got built up. Yeah. And uh, a word called conservatorship began to fly around.
0: Well, it didn't fly around though until she had her mental breakdown.
1: True, true, true. So maybe we should so, maybe we should intro Justin Timberlake. You you went back there a little bit. About I was, some of the I was going there. Well. Yeah.
0: Not only was it Justin Timberlake, though, that was giving her a mental breakdown. In my opinion, it was the paparazzi because that's when she really started going out. She would try to live her life and people were in her face 24-7. And you see video clips of her begging them, please get out of my face. Do you have enough? Like, it didn't matter what she was doing. She would run to the store and she had 50 people with cameras in her face. She's young. She's just hitting fame. That's going to take a toll on anyone. But the fact that she was basically America I don't even want to say America's sweetheart because she was more of a sex symbol than a sweetheart at that point, but she was the face of pop music back then. So she couldn't do anything and have a secret life.
1: Well, I, I think it's safe to say that maybe in that uh you know, right around that two thousand I think you're I think you're okay to safe to say that she's America's sweetheart at that time. Because
0: people loved her.
1: She did not become America. I don't think she became America's sex symbol until after the breakup with JT, and, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm over here like yeah I, I know but low key though I mean I'm I I, I had a huge crush on Britney Spears mm-hmm. Britney, Britney Spears and Hillary Duff those were my two uh, little childhood crushes that I had uh-huh. absolutely so Britney Spears she became it was it was JT man maybe it makes up the paparazzi and JT but that's when she became scandalous don't you remember her making out with Madonna. On yeah. stage in mm-hmm. front of Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. the battle that ensued after all that—you're
0: absolutely right.
1: She was going crazy. I mean, and, and not in a bad way, but man, I I can't even. You're right. So she has. Uh, you're right. So we we back it up. We talk about the the mental, the the mental happenings, but the documentary kind of tells us that you're right. The paparazzi really led into them. They actually started breaking down well, some characters. Right.
0: I remember when she shaved her head in 2008. I think we all do. As weird as that is, to remember when a celebrity shaves their head. But I remember it because everyone made it out to seem like she was crazy, she was mentally unstable, and she was doing it because she was on drugs. After watching this documentary, this is what my mind changed. Or this is what changed my mind, is what I should say. They show her slowly unraveling because of the breakup with JT, because of the paparazzi. And they said that she shaved her head because at this point, she felt like she had no control over her life. They were making her out to be someone she wasn't. Yeah. She thought to herself, if I shave my head, I'm no longer that pretty, blonde, America sweetheart that everyone wants me to be. I have a little bit of a control over who I am. Yeah. And that's why she did it, because they have those pictures. And then the famous picture that made the tabloids, was when she was outside of her vehicle, she had just shaven her head, and she's making this really angry face of that paparazzi. You know, she's wearing her sweatshirt. She's mad because they, even after all that happened, they would not leave her alone. She begged them to get out of her face. And then they go over in this documentary to the man that was the paparazzi that took this famous photo, and what does he say? She never asked me to stop. I would have stopped.
1: Yeah. Even though
0: they have video footage of her saying, leave me alone.
1: It's pretty sickening.
0: And it's just heartbreaking, because they don't, back then, when we were that age, they didn't tell Brittany's side of the story. Well, of course not. They made her out to seem like she was losing her mind.
1: Isn't that a better narrative?
0: To them, yes.
1: Well, I mean, honestly, back then, I mean, think of, this was all before the Me Too thing, so we haven't really given our girls a reason to be like, Hey, no, this is wrong what's going mm-hmm. on here. So all of our girls, especially our Hollywood girls, are feeling like they can't say nothing. Well...
0: And, and JT then,
1: made that a priority in Britney's case. And in
0: Britney's case, yes. In the relationship, I yes. I not that,
1: man. Because you, you, grew up, you grew up liking JT as part of Backstreet Boys and the NSYNC cr- crew and all that. But,
0: well, I want you to bring up, so before we started recording this, you yeah. brought up something that just came to light this past couple of days about JT and the Britney situation.
1: Yeah, this is um, some of the trivia information from here, and this specifically relates to Justin Timberlake, as uh, for over a decade, Justin Timberlake was accused of sexism and misogyny regarding his treatment of former girlfriend Britney Spears. Um, he did explicitly call her crazy during concerts while playing What Goes Around Comes Around song. Um, he also was quoted calling her a Madonna wannabe on various occasions. After the release of this documentary, though, Timberlake issued a public apology on his Instagram to both Spears and Janet Jackson. Of course, if you forgot, Janet Jackson for his handling of the infamous wardrobe malfunction at the Super Bowl back in 2004. But that's another talk for another time and place. However, producer-director Samantha Stark told... told uh, an interview that she did um, that the New York Times did not approach Justin Timberlake for a comment on his treatment of the singer as they did not or they didn't ask a number of other people who appeared in archival footage for comment. She goes, interviewees make points about the media coverage surrounding the breakup. Unlike other people who we did ask for comment, we didn't make any allegations against Justin. We simply just let the footage play.
0: If that says anything to me, that says he's guilty. Because if he didn't feel some sort of remorse and guilt, he wouldn't have issued a statement that wasn't asked for.
1: It's it's awful, man. Like I, just it's heartbreaking. Believe, I can't believe <laughs> you. Throughout this whole documentary, you really you're getting to see the persecution of a young, talented individual from Nowersville. Absolutely Nowersville. She from.
0: It's exactly the title of the framing Britney Spears. You literally watch her life be framed into something. It's not.
1: It's awful. That's something that she's not. And, uh, you know, before we even begun the docu see, or the documentary framing Britney Spears, you showed me some of her Instagram, some of her TikTok stuff. And, um, I didn't see the hurt and trouble there until you pointed it out. And now I can't help, but just think that those are just downright eerie to me. Like they, they, uh, They're a little bit disturbing to look on there.
0: So if you haven't seen her stuff on social media, this is actually why I wanted to watch the documentary in the first place, because this actually has been going on. People have been calling out the fact that she is hurt and she needs help for a long time. But it specifically hit and became a trend back in, like, July of last year. People really started noticing, hey, is Brittany okay? Because something about her just seemed off. So I started paying attention on her TikToks and she posts videos all the time. But none of them really have any content. It's usually just her wearing something cute and twirling in circles, holding some flowers, smiling at the camera. But you can tell even looking at her eyes that like she's not actually happy. Well, people were writing in the comments, hey, if you're not okay, wear this color in the next video. She was wearing the color in the next video. It was stuff like that. One time someone said, where are you? Her next song, the the song was titled Malibu. And it was like, are people looking into this too much or are these actual subliminal messages that Brittany is sending to her people? Well, then it brings up the question of conservatorship, which happened in 2008. After she had her mental breakdown, her dad and her husband, Kevin Federline, they made this plea saying, Brittany is unwell. She's not right in the head. She's going through something. She has all this money to her name, all of this success. We don't want her to lose it. We want to sign this conservatorship. I can't say that word. We want her to sign this... or. To basically give her rights to us to take care of her until she's on her feet again and mentally well. well that's where everything went wrong because it's 2021 and that thing has not been they're still in control of her
1: and just for the background here for those who aren't uh, who aren't uh, you know acclimated yet on what a conservatorship is it's a legal concept in the United States nowhere else in the world is it uh, a thing except for here in the u.s a guardian or a protector is appointed by a judge to manage the financial affairs or the daily life of another due to a physical or mental limitations or even old age. A person under conservatorship is a conservatee, a term that can be referred to as an adult, a.k.a. Britney Spears.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, then that brings up the point is, does she actually have a disability enough to be under to be a conservator or whatever that was.
1: Which in, in all fairness, not to stop you there, but they did refer they did mention that, and none of us will ever will see this. We do not have the right or privilege to that. But they do refer back to this document, uh, a medical document saying something there, and this is the gravitas of what everyone is referring back to, even the, the, the judges, right? The judges are saying, there's this document here that says otherwise, and you may not know what's in there. But we do. And um, that's that seems that like what they're using as their anchor point throughout this. Right. It's A little weird.
0: And I, I think, I don't want to say I know anything, but I think that Brittany had reached a point where she did need some sort of help back in 2008. Do I think that she was mentally unwell? Right. I don't. I think she was driven to that point. Yeah. But she did need help. She needed someone to step up and say, hey, I've got you. And I think that's what her dad tried to portray that he was doing, saying, hey, I've got her back. I'm going to help her. But I don't think it was really with good intent.
1: Right. So like Jamie coming back in and Jamie is her dad. Jamie coming back into the picture only happened. So if you think about it, so from when she went on tour and that was at the start of like 2000. Jamie was not a part of the picture at yeah, all. Yeah, they
0: talk about her mom being the only one there for her.
1: Exactly. He was not there in the picture. And then after the, the, the whole thing happens with JT, the whole thing happens with... Um, shaving her head. Shaving her head. Kevin Federline uh, getting um, banned from the uh, Beverly Hills Hotel. Trying to
0: keep her kids from her. Her husband kept her yes. kids. That's when her dad comes back in.
1: Dad enter back in Jamie Spears.
0: And I think that's just really odd timing.
1: It was. But she, he took advantage of a situation. He and I'm not did. trying to say that. we are saying that without saying that, he he took full advantage of that. And one one particular, I think that really needs a lot of credit for for having uncovered this or at least stayed on this was the Britney Grams, uh, Britney's Graham prod, uh, podcast. Babs Gray, Tess Barker, those two girls there, they went above and beyond. And I, the New York Times put this all together. But I don't think we have. Most of this without those two girls.
0: Yeah. So basically they've been watching this whole thing unravel from the beginning the and beginning. they have been going out of their way to have a podcast, an Instagram account that basically says, here's what's happening with Brittany today. Because someone, she, I feel like they are just her little guardian angels because they were the people that have been paying attention since the beginning and looking out for her and watching her back, and they interviewed them quite a bit for this documentary, saying, yeah. "Okay, so what happened here? They are the two people who have really not stopped caring about her well-being."
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, they have really done um, an outstanding job. Um, gosh, I just can't imagine. It, it was just such an eye opener here, and not to seem like I was kind of like lost there in, in thought, but it, it was. You know, this was an eye opener here. And I think the biggest lesson, we talk about Grownish all the time, right? I have not watched one documentary yet that's come across to hit me in the face like this one did to say, don't judge a book by its cover.
0: Right. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but I remember when we stopped when it was done, and we just looked at each other and said, wow. Like, there was really nothing to say.
1: No. it, It said everything it could.
0: Because here's the thing. So this all happened. I feel like we're jumping ahead a little bit. So to bring it back just a minute, she went under the conservatorship her dad took control and here we are now 12 years later it hasn't stopped she basically hasn't had a free moment free will since 2008 she has to be told where she can go every day when she can leave her house who can visit her she can't do any songs and performances without permission right. she can't spend money without permission so this this woman this grown woman had a mental breakdown and everything now has been out of her control. And the big debate now is when can she get her life back? She's what was, she, what is she, 41 now, something like that? And she does not have control of her life. Yeah, I do she know. She's
1: 39 years old.
0: 39, I was close. So she's 39, does not have any control over anything that goes on in her life. She can't even be visited by friends without permission. So that's why this documentary has come out, because I think people are finally opening their eyes up and realizing. Someone needs to help her. Yeah. And I know now, even the past couple of days, they're taking this back to court. Yeah, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that something good happens for her. But I know it's out of her control. There's only so much that people can do. But the fact that this documentary was released, the fact that they had this, that podcast, what was it called again? Um,
1: oh, the uh, Britney's Graham.
0: Yes. I think things are slowly going in the direction that they should be for her. But it just breaks my heart because I think even though things are starting to look a little bit up, it's going to be a long time coming still.
1: You know, it's crazy. I mean, you're right. You hit it right on the head. Uh, It seems like that the world is now doing what it does when things come into the light out of the darkness, is that they eventually correct themselves. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand why it takes all of this to finally get one girl's life, back on the right track you know what i mean like it's you only just, get
0: one life and the fact that it's being controlled for her it just breaks my heart
1: and she literally was down to ride and say okay fine i'll play nice i'll do this las vegas residency yeah and um 2018 she said enough mm-hmm. and i don't blame her you know what's something that's troubling to me so and this puts if you ever wanted at least a, a nutshell of what this is So, Jamie Spears, her dad, right? The court granted Jamie Spears to be paid around $130,000 annually by his daughter's estate for his role as the conservator. And according to court documents, the largest expense of Britney's estate in 2018 was her legal and conservator fees. You know what that totaled out to be? $1.1 million for that year alone. $1.1 million. And you wonder why she's filing motions now to say, I don't want him as That's my en-
0: enough's enough.
1: They gave her him one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and somehow
0: it totaled one point one million.
1: Yeah, so he ended up getting another almost where's that going? dollars mi- uh, in there. I just want to know where is that
0: all? What is that being used for?
1: Nothing. So this is why. So I believe Friday or no Thursday rather mm-hmm. Thursday came out with a new motion. Um, Jamie, Brittany, they all went back to court. Okay. The motion that's happening now is is her father isn't going to, they're, they're on the way out. So basically, he asked for certain things to be um, accepted by the court, meaning he wanted to still stay like the financial responsible party. Because as we heard about the conservatorship, you have one person who is in charge of the financials or one person that's in charge of the estate. Sometimes there's one person that covers both. In Brittany's case here, Jamie was the, was the executor of both the estate and her finances. What the court had happened when they went back to court as the documentary leaves us is that there is a bank or a a financial institution that's now on that with Jamie Spears. So he's not the sole proprietor. He can be in charge of her finances, but the bank will be in charge of the estate handling. Mm -hmm. And so what the court granted was is that Jamie has to work with the bank. The bank will not be just the sole person that's on it. And Jamie will not be the sole person in charge of the finances. They will both have to work together on finances and the estate going forward. And then they'll meet back next month and have another um, session about this in court. And the, everything with the way that it's trending looks like that Jamie will eventually be out as the conservative. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But, I mean, it took something like this, uh, uh, an action. So isn't that something beautiful? You know, we always look for something that um, what makes us happy, Right. Right. What makes us happy is when journalism can come together like this and all multimedia uh, platforms, whether that's television, reading, audio. We all came together here on this to help somebody out.
0: Social media even had a major part in this because I told you TikTok, Instagram. Between TikTok, Instagram, the podcast, and just journalism at its core, we're changing this woman's life.
1: And that's what has to happen. She's changed ours. It really is
0: small steps that lead into a big change. And like you said earlier, I want to wrap this up by saying this. If this documentary changes or teaches you anything, it's that you don't know what people are going through. Do not judge a book by its cover because the Britney Spears that I thought I knew through what was portrayed in the media is not the person that she really is.
1: Absolutely. At
0: all. I have so much respect for this girl now and so much heartbreak for her.
1: It's sad. It makes me sad.
0: It is. But you know what? I think that there is a light at the tunnel for this girl. I really, truly believe that there is. It's going to be a long time coming, I think. But I think she's going to get there.
1: I think so, too. I think so, too.
0: If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's called Framing Britney Spears. It's on Hulu. And you know what? It was actually a little bit hard to find because it's not its own documentary. You can't just go on Hulu and type in Framing Britney Spears. You have to. It's under a New York Times documentary series. So it's in there. You'll find it. I think it's like episode eight, something like that. So I highly suggest it, though. If you like Britney Spears at all or if you're interested in this kind of thing, it's definitely worth the time. I think it was only a little bit over an hour to watch. It wasn't really that long. So check it out. If you do, if you have seen it, let us know what you think, too. I always want to know other people's opinions on this stuff. Yeah, this is an incredible one.
1: But again, uh, hats off to uh, director Samantha Stark and writer Liz Day with The New York Times. A phenomenal Bravo. job. Absolutely.
0: And honestly, I think this is a good time to just wrap it up, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. Let's take your time.
0: All right. So people can find me. Just find me on Twitter at Radio Brooklyn, Facebook, just type in Brooklyn Beatty.
1: Brooklyn Beatty. All right. You could find me on Twitter at Josh RW underscore Williams or on Facebook at Josh Willie Williams.
0: And Gronish, never be afraid to reach out to us. We'd love to hear your opinions on anything and everything. You can find Gronish Podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, at Grownish Podcast, or email us, grownishpodcasts at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.